Hey folks, I'm Rob Ryan. Welcome back to The Work Grid. Today, my guest is Guy Batista, founder of Agora Consulting Group, a professional services firm focused on intranet solutions, deployments, and digital workplace strategy. And that's what we will be discussing today. Program strategy, governance, the current state of the internet space, measuring ROI, and why so many digital workplaces oftentimes fail. If you're like me, and you're interested in the happenings around intranets and employee experience platforms, this episode is for you. Hey, Guy, welcome to The Work Grid. Well, we start by telling us a little bit about yourself and Agora Consulting Group. Yeah, thanks, Rob, for, for having me, first of all, and uh, glad to be here. We started Agora Consulting Group three years ago on the idea that people were going to be adopting digital workplace technology a little bit more rapidly because of the pandemic, and they would need some help bringing that in. And, and I had experience in the workplace uh, in this industry to be able to help people implement and really leverage uh, different technologies to help them collaborate while they were adapting to this new environment of work. And how did you get started? We really started pretty small, uh, helping uh, some some of our customers migrate from old digital workplaces, whether it was homegrown SharePoint or uh, sometimes even a shared drive, to a more collaborative uh, technology, typically SaaS-based. And from there, we sort of grew into leveraging uh, program strategy and uh, the experience around the different tools, you know, collaboration tools, really at scale. And how big are you now? We've grown to a group of uh, five consultants now, uh, working with a handful of vendors and a number of customers uh, looking for anything from uh, migration services to uh, custom development work, all the way to uh, program strategy and community management uh, assistance, where we really embed ourselves with the customer to really help them take advantage of the platform they've purchased. A lot of times they've come to us with a set of problems. They have brought this platform in and uh, are really needing some assistance with helping users either understand the platform uh, or really just selling it back to their executive team who uh, have really sort of uh, not understood why they purchased in the first place. Uh, so we come in and help them understand those things, leverage data, analytics, and then of course, increase that engagement and adoption across the board so that it can be a worthwhile investment over time, right? So that's really been our, our core set of services over the last, uh, that's a little bit about what we do. So the full life cycle, it sounds like, of a professional services engagement. So the higher level strategy, enablement piece, nuts and bolts of migration, even downstream into launch management, organizational change, and then community management, uh, which is really longer maintenance, administration, and guidance. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, I've been fortunate enough in my uh, almost 12 years of experience in this space to really run the gamut um, around what I've been able to do. So I started off as a uh, as a customer, right, um, going out and looking for a platform and uh, ultimately implementing and then running that software at, a, at an organization. Then had the fortune to, to go and work for a leading platform for several years and work on some really 
um, incredible teams in implementing, uh, you know, SaaS's workplace technology uh, across uh, across hundreds of organizations. Uh, and from there, was able to work uh, with other vendors to stand up professional services organizations, uh, help with pre-sales, um, and then really kind of went full circle. Uh, and before starting Agora, ran um, a, a massive uh, digital workplace team for uh, a really large financial uh, company. Uh, and that's really when I realized that I kind of uh, run the gamut of uh, experience across, you know, the full life cycle of digital workplace and really wanted to leverage all that experience uh, and help others do the same thing. So that brings us to question here really around remote and hybrid work and, and employee expectations. So, you know, given that you've seen that change, how have, how have those expectations begun to change in terms of the value the intranet delivers or the employee experience platform delivers? What are your customers looking for now? Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a massive shift, right? And uh, we've seen this both at the micro and the macro level. I mean, I remember when I first started out, uh, the idea of having a mobile friendly um, or even a, um, a mobile app was something that was at the very least an afterthought, if not really a question at all uh, over a decade ago. Slowly you started to see an increase in demand for that kind of thing, especially once Google changed around their algorithm to, uh, uh, you know, prioritize uh, any any organizations that had uh, a mobile-friendly, responsive approach. So then you started to see um, organizations really shift towards, especially the ones with savvy marketing uh, departments, shift toward this idea of, okay, well, we're trying to cater towards, whether it's our employees or our customers, uh, cater towards uh, everyone, regardless of what device they're sitting in front of, whether it's a desktop in, in a headquarters or if it's a if it's an employee you know employees if they're factory workers they might need it on their mobile if it's customers they certainly want it on their mobile device um so we started seeing that shift towards you know we'd really like to have this we'd really like to have uh this mobile approach we really like to see a way to reach all of our stakeholders regardless of where they are and how they work um after the pandemic it became a not we like to have this, we need to have this, right? Uh, we used to be uh, a relatively conservative bank that had 90% of our employees uh, sitting in front of a desk in the office. Um, you know, we're, we now have 50% of our workforce working from home um, who need to be able to access information on the way to the office on the, on the subway or need to be able to access it while they're on the road uh, traveling to a, to a customer uh, we now need to have a, a way to not only reach this platform uh, from a more um, mobile and uh, in, in, in more readily available perspective, we need to be able to reach all our platforms, right? All, all of our different digital communications tools, of which there are many. So we've seen this sort of uh, double um, uh, sort of uh, impact to to this demand where because of the pandemic or, you know, at least accelerated by the pandemic was this demand for, you know, we have this as a workplace tool. We need everyone to be able to access it regardless of where they sit and how they work and how they access tools. We also have purchased, you know, a new HRIS and we now have Slack 
And we now have, you know, we're a Microsoft shop or a Google shop. And we would access all of these things seamlessly, regardless of where we enter, right? Regardless of the entry point, regardless of MFA or SSO. So when we see all of these things uh, collide, uh, it comes, uh, it, the result is a pretty interesting uh, landscape that we're trying to tackle from a technical perspective. Mm. One of the things that I've seen in my um, in my time is just the the uh, intersection of that truly technical piece and the strategic. It used to be almost a separate uh, parallel practice, right? There would be your engineer who'd be working on your your SSO and and the ability to access things from multiple locations, MFA, whatever that was integrations of course and then there'd be your your strategy consultants your implementation consultants dealing with just that one tool now we're seeing uh, more and more that these practices have to happen uh, very much in an interwoven way um, because of just the way that people work now and so you're seeing that digital friction add up certainly as the pandemic act as a catalyst for application procurement needs for accessibility. Um, what's your perspective on that in terms of the value of the intranet and just the rise and prevalence of more content and conversation in MS Teams and Slack and the disruptions in the way the employee works? How do, how do we get back to understanding, well, what is the core value of the intranet in relation to these products? Yeah, yeah that's a big question, right? I mean, we've, we've seen... Uh, I'd say in the past uh, past couple of years, uh, just this sort of um, wild west ish landscape, right? Of uh, of tools, uh, and and every customer I, I work with, whether they're a small uh, five hundred user customer or a large, you know, uh, fifty sixty thousand user customer, uh, are, are really struggling with the same problems, which is uh, where does the um, where does the use of one tool end and the other begin? Mm. And where should we draw those lines? Uh, are all these tools even necessary? Um, and uh, and where they do get blurry, right? What are some of those things that, that actually um, should be preserved, right? And then the one that comes to mind a lot is, is Slack, right? Slack has become pervasive uh, everywhere, right? I mean, uh, I personally have I don't know, at least eight different uh, Slack uh, workplaces that I'm operating in uh, at any given time. Um, and it's incredibly helpful to be able to have that, uh, you know, at my fingertips, access to information, be able to quickly ping someone. At the same time, right, uh, the um, preserving of information and resources is not something that is uh, as easily done in a tool like Slack. So going back to your question about the um, – the importance of the internet and, and where it really fits in. I personally think that um, the ability to serve as that historical record uh, and that single source of truth um, and to be able to collaborate in near real time around that information on the internet uh, is still the core value that the internet provides, your traditional intranet. Uh, I think that this is uh, something that's been somewhat lost in the last couple of years. I think that the industry is wrestling with uh, where the internet will sort of emerge uh, in the next, you know, we'll say two to five years. Uh, we've seen this as new products have, have come um, come onto the market and, and new ways of approaching um, 
really information in, in, in resource management. Uh, but I, you know, I believe that its main strong suit is the ability to store uh, and organize information and resources and allow uh, your subject matter experts to communicate and collaborate around those resources, right, in an organized way. Uh, I think the other tools, Slack and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I use Slack because, again, it's so pervasive, but Slack and the tools like at MS Teams, uh, even some of your HRISs, uh, some of your um, knowledge management tools like Confluence, they all fit around this in a way, and they all have their own strengths. But the internet, uh, you know, has still been, for me, the most important part about being able to have that conversation around uh, formal information and resources. So given that, why do you, this might be a softball, but why do you think digital workplaces fail? What's the main differences you see with those that succeed? Because naturally, I'm sure as you start to get into your PS engagements, your customers, they're rolling off another tool. There's a history there and they're rolling into new technology. What do you see out there? Yeah. Um, look, I think if it, uh, if it could get boiled down to any one thing, uh, it's lack of vision. Uh, and, and I don't mean that in the sense of uh, they don't understand why they purchased the internet. A lot of times they do. Uh, I mean, lack of vision uh, more into lack of the definition of that vision, right? Mm. They really haven't defined a a, a mission uh, or a final state. What what does a ideal future state look like for for this, right? What is the macro or the ultimate problem we're trying to solve as an organization, and where does the internet fit in, right? That's that's the largest question that almost always has not really been asked. And it's been surprising to me to find how many times I'll go into an organization, again, regardless of size. And I'll, I'll start most of my engagements. Matter of fact, I'll start all my engagements with that very question, right? Um, the question is, what exactly are you trying to solve here? And if they have an answer, and many times they don't, um, where does the internet fit in? Um, we have found that two of the largest failure points is they don't have an answer to that question at all. Or if they do have an answer to that question, they typically want the internet to be um, the silver bullet, the thing that's going to fix all the problems. And this is a problem that it has been sort of self-inflicted by the digital workplace industry, right? Salespeople tend to come in uh, and present their internet as a silver, as a silver bullet, right? Something that will solve all of your communication collaboration issues um, in one fell swoop. Um, I come in from a PS perspective uh, and really kind of deflate that bubble pretty quickly and say, well, no, we're not going to do that. But let's identify the biggest collaboration problem you do have. And let's focus on that and let's solve that. And then let's figure out how the rest of your, um, your digital workplace suite can solve some of these other things. And as a whole, right, uh, we, can, uh, we can hopefully answer this, this larger mission that you've set out to accomplish. Um, so that's probably the biggest failure point is, you know, it's this oversetting of expert expectation, right? Oh, in the next six months, we're going to see adoption go 100% and email uh, usage is going to plummet and mm. all deflection is going to go through the roof and, uh, and, you know, ignoring the change management side of it, ignoring the um, cultural implications to your organization and just thinking that you're going to 
plop this this cool tool in the middle of the uh, uh, the organization, and uh, and people are going to say that's neat. Let me see what this is all about. Uh, is the single largest mistake we've seen. Um, people simply haven't been putting in the time nor the work um, to uh, to make these succeed, right? And and there's as you know. Um, a lot of time and a lot of work necessary, both during the implementation uh, and more so after so, uh, after afterwards, right? To uh, mm. ensure the success and the continued success of an internet at an organization. Um, you know, I'm working with a, a customer right now uh, and they're actually on my, my website. So I'm working with Mattel right now. Uh, and they've actually been very wise about this, right? Uh, Mattel has uh, uh, invested an incredible amount of time and resources, including a full-time community manager. Um, and they've kept Agora on board for nearly the last two years uh, to simply help enable um, and continue to sell this tool internally, right? Uh, and, and they're seeing their work pay off, right? Their engagement has stayed steady. Uh, at just above 90%. Um, they've seen some incredible adoption. Uh, a lot of the unique issues they had before, um, you know, they've seen dwindle away or reduce drastically, but they have put in the time, they've put in the, the resources, they put in the commitment to keep it up. Um, and they plan on continuing to do so, right? So uh, like anything else, you put in the time and the resources and the planning, um, you'll you'll more likely find success. Um, most organizations don't necessarily do that. So they're really treating the digital workplace as a program and not a project. Absolutely. So to that, you know, everyone's looking for an ROI of the internet, you know, certainly a, a common challenge during the sales cycle to really justify uh, the platform and the play. So what role do you see analytics and data to help your customers in conversations really understand where they are today and then also where they'll be post-launch, post-implementation so that they can continue to sell that value of the platform? Yeah. I mean, this is the age-old question, right? How, how do we tell our executives? How do we tell the CFO? Uh, and how do we convince them to sign that check uh, to purchase this, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they want to understand give me a number, right? How is this mm-hmm. going to save me money or make me money? Um, and uh, we have found a number of different ways uh, to approach this. It can be employee retention. It can be employee uh, enablement. So reducing ramp up time, right? So for onboarding, uh, it can it can be uh, sometimes something a little squishy, a little softer, right? Just increasing, um, uh, you know, the employee perception or the user perception of an organization or of, uh, or of the technologies they use. Um, analytics and data play a massive role in this, right? In terms of being able to, uh, to show where we are today versus where we can be in the future. Um, and we've come a long way uh, from, a, from a data and analytics perspective. Uh, it used to be really just around, you know, hey, how many people are, are visiting my my pages and, and how much time are they spending on here? Uh, and we really, the only thing we could point to was engagement, this sort of squishy term of, well, people are coming here, so they must be getting the information they need. Um, over time, we started introducing metrics around, uh, you know, well, you know, people are asking their questions and getting them answered, and we're seeing uh, fewer questions get asked and more work get done, which means call deflection, right? So we were able to introduce 
slightly more advanced metrics. I think where uh, the industry has always been lagging and still is somewhat lagging is the expertise around those metrics, right? Being able to take all of that data uh, and translate it into, um, number one, uh, you know, a, a, a story, an ROI story, right? Being able to show here's, here's what this means, right? We were looking at, uh, you know, January versus May, right? Uh, and here's what this data means. So telling that story. Um, and secondly, being able to translate trends, right? Being able to show someone, hey, we're getting these three sets of data uh, and we uh, are able to show you that you really want to be publishing content on, you know, this day as opposed to that day, because this is when your users are doing X, Y, Z, because we can show you in the data and show you in the trends. Um, it's It's been a, I think that's still one of the areas uh, that we need to invest more uh, more time um, and, and really develop uh, better programs around analytics, um, metrics, data, uh, the works, because this tends to be an afterthought uh, when we are selling intranets. It tends to be an afterthought when we're implementing intranets um, because once the sale is done, uh, salespeople don't care anymore about the analytics. Um, and once we're in implementation, all we care about is standing it up, right? But the importance of the analytics, uh, once it's stood up, to be able to prove that this has been successful, um, many times gets gets overlooked. Uh, we include um, a, a view into our, uh, into our customers' data analytics from the very beginning to make sure they understand what analytics and what data is available to them and how they can read it. Um, and then if they continue to work with us, we will continue to have regular checkpoints with those analytics to really draw out the trend lines, which, in my opinion, is really what uh, the, the main um, uh, uh, strong, strong point of analytics is, right, is being able to decipher those trend lines, to be able to look at uh, what are the things that are working really well, where are some of our gaps, uh, and then coming up with strategies to be able to address those gaps, right? But still a lot of work to be done in analytics, in my opinion, just as an industry as a whole. Excellent. Excellent. So to that, you know, you had mentioned really the the need for companies to develop a program around their digital workplace. Um, how do you get application owners, particularly if they they're going through a migration, they're coming off of old technology, you hear that they used to have governance and program strategy related to that old project. How do you scare them straight so that this time around, well, they're going to stick to it. They're going to have that vision. They're going to have their program strategy. They'll have that governance, the ROI program to measure health and effectiveness. How do you get them to make sure that well, this is something that's in their best interest? Yeah. You know, um, it's funny you use the term scaring them straight. I've tried that for for many, many years with, with a lot of my customers and, and I've seen, um, you know, marginal success with it. Uh, it, it tends to work in the short run where uh, they will look at the, um, you know, administrative burden it might create to not have uh, a, a um, you know, fully fleshed out program strategy and governance uh, governance strategy in place. Um, but over time, and I'll use a very specific example with a very specific platform that I saw all the time, right, was a, 
the um, the user overrides with Jive, right? Something that I, I would tell my customers way back when, uh, please don't use these. Uh, <laughs> use, you know, use a single person group, if anything. It's just easier to manage. It'll create a, a massive administrative burden. And I'll use myself as an example of a guilty, a guilty party that uh, was scared straight uh, by one of my colleagues uh, early on. And for the first six months of my program, never used the user override. And, and then after I used it, uh, I became very addicted to it very quickly and used user overrides all the time. And uh, when I went to go hand that program over to someone new because I was moving on, uh, realized the nightmare I had created from a governance perspective. Um, scaring people straight uh, does have a, a effective short-term result. I have found, however, uh, the best thing to do is to show them how successful um, they can be uh, with a solid program strategy and governance strategy in place. Uh, so a lot of times I'll bring in a customer like a Mattel who has done a very good job um, of, of instituting program strategy and of delegating uh, ownership of content and uh, containers, right, to different subject matter experts. I'll bring them in and let them explain what they've done, why they've done it, and how much easier their lives are now that they've put that work in on the front end. Um, and I have found much better success in the long term with that approach to say, uh, look, yes, I can tell you all day long about all the bad things that will happen if you don't institute and implement uh, a well-thought-out, well-fleshed-out program strategy. But how about I just let you hear from someone who's done it well, and, and they'll explain to you after three years how things are going, you know, quite well for them. And they've handed this over now to two different uh, community managers who have been able to come into the role pretty seamlessly and take over because there was a well-thought-out program strategy, uh, right? We've seen that breakpoint a lot where we've had a really strong community manager who uh, has maybe had some decent program strategy, but not entirely uh, well thought out. Uh, and once that program or that kind of community manager leaves and a new one comes in who may not be as strong, the whole program falls apart. Um, we've seen that a lot of times with customers. Uh, Mattel has, has uh, avoided that because they had really strong program strategy in place. Uh, so that's what I typically do now is I bring in an example of someone who's done a really solid job of, uh, of instituting program strategy. That's a great approach, really brokering those relationships so those application leaders can connect with one another and learn from the best. Because as we say, there's there's no manual out there on how to do this effectively. There's there's a lot of thought leadership, there's a lot of approaches, but in terms of, you know, really sitting in those shoes, having individuals to lean on that community, that's invaluable. Absolutely. So we've reached the lightning round uh, portion of uh, the podcast. And this is where I ask you a few questions, you know, shorter answers um, and really about you, your perspective and, you know, what's top of mind. So in just one sentence, what sets a Gore Consulting Group apart from the few competitors that are out there in the intranet and employee experience space? It's got to be our experience. Right, uh, our experience just from the perspective of time, uh, from the perspective of vendors, right? I mean, uh, and and what we've done across the board, right? Like I said, I've been a customer, uh, a consultant, uh, an implementer, 
uh, a um, program, um, you know, program manager, uh, product owner, uh, all the things, right? So that experience and most of the folks on my team have done the same. Uh, worked in different industries and and uh, with different tools at different capacities. So I think that well-rounded experience is what sets us apart. Excellent. What's one must-have feature that every modern internet solution should possess today? Um. Wow. Uh, today, I would almost imagine to be table stakes, but I, I will I will uh, preface it by saying it has to be a well thought out and truly uh, mobile first approach, right? Uh, the ability to be able to access all of your information and resources, including the people uh, that you work with from a mobile device um, in a truly seamless UI is, is something that really would set, I think, a digital workplace apart. Yeah, and what's interesting is that's a, that has been a lagging feature for many 100%. of the vendors out there. And in fact, many of them have struggled to really bridge that divide of connecting to their users and allowing for at least an open door into the digital workplace. Very cool. If there's one piece of advice you'd give to organizations looking to improve their employee experience. So let's say they have an internet, they're okay with it. How might they grow it, optimize it? What would that advice be? Um, spend the resources and, and, and uh, the time and bring in the right people, whether that's hiring uh, more folks on your community team or, or bringing in outside resources to uh, really help grow that program. Um, you know, the it, it's incredible to me how many organizations I go to that are tens of thousands of users and they have a single community manager uh, running that that entire program for everybody, reporting down to the content owners, or or you know telling the content owners what to do, and reporting up to uh, the the C level on what's happening, and that's way too much to put on the shoulders of one person. It didn't used to be community manager used to be a part time position, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I think it needs to be a team, right? Um, I think some organizations have have done that and and been ahead of the curve. American Express did that very well. They had a whole team of community managers, um, but they're also American Express. Uh, you know, I, I do think that regardless of your size, um, you know, understanding that the amount of work necessary to maintain uh, your community, your digital workplace, um, it takes time and it takes money and it takes resources. It's an, it's an investment. It will pay off, but you do need to make that investment. Which technology trend do you believe is going to have the most significant impact on internet and digital workplaces over the next three to five years? And I realize this is probably, you know, an obvious question, just given the headlines we see over the last three months. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's AI, right? I mean, it's AI and it's, it's the, uh, it's the incredible impact it'll have just across the board. I, I think specifically, the biggest thing about it will be the unknown, right? I mean, uh, I compare this a lot to, you know, I was growing up, and I'll age myself a little bit here, but I was, you know, growing up uh, when, when the internet made its debut, uh, but there was still a good bit of knowns with the internet, right? It's, it, it'll be all the information ever, right? Uh, but it was all the information that we knew. It was just this thing that we were going to put all our stuff into. With AI, it's, uh, 
we've created something that can create something new. <laughs> so the unknowns around AI is uh, just, it'll be a very interesting uh, uh, couple of decades for sure. Um, I may very well be out of a job in a couple <laughs> of years, <laughs> right? If I, if I don't, uh, if I don't play my cards right and keep a very close eye on what's going on, but yeah, AI has certainly been the thing that uh, I think has caught most of our attentions and kept most of us up at night for, for good and bad reasons. Absolutely. So Guy, uh, closing question here. Um, what's one book or resource that has helped to shape your perspective on PS engagements and strategies that has assisted you most throughout your career? Um, you know, it's a, it's an easy question. The book is start with why Simon Sinek. Um, it's not a business book. It's not necessarily a technology book. Um, but the idea at the root of that book is to approach every problem with, um, you know, with why are we trying to solve it, right? Or what is the why behind this? And I have found that to be incredibly effective when approaching any sort of digital workplace engagement, right? I, I come in uh, and, and ask all my customers the same question. Why did you do this? Why now? Right. With any change comes pain. Uh, so, you know, you're, you know, inducing pain to yourselves, to your organization, to your peers. That must have been worth it. Tell me why and tell us how we can help. Right. Um, and, and I think the perspective of start with why, especially when I picked it up in my career, it was very early on, right around the time I uh, chose my very first Internet platform, um, you know, just just has been a, a that was a transformative read when i when i read that book and i've gone back to it a couple of times excellent Gee, that's all we have today really appreciate your time coming on the work grid thank you very much for having me mm-hmm.